I am titling my message, When Expectation Meets Disappointment. When Expectation Meets Disappointment. We are in part 31 of our study in the book of Matthew. Uh, we started this study, uh, I think, a year ago. And God's been just putting on our hearts the importance of just studying the Word of God verse by verse, chapter by chapter. We today get into Matthew chapter number 11. Matthew chapter 11, Jesus is, Jesus has just sent his disciples out. Uh, last week, uh, the message was titled, Before You Go. It was key instructions that Jesus gives his apostles before he sends them forth. He releases them into the mission field, two by two. And he says, go and be my witnesses. And today I want to talk about how Jesus addresses expectations. Jesus addresses disappointments and how it's applicable in your life and in my life. You know, in any situation when what was not delivered didn't match what was promised or desired, you experience frustration. I'm pretty sure everybody in this building, in this room has experienced frustration in some uh, level or the other. For some of us, it's in marriage. Before you got married, you thought marriage was going to be all Cinderella and Prince Charming. And then you got married and then you realized it was Beauty and the Beast. And for some others, it's a purchase that you make. You saw it on QVC and you were like, man, I got to get that. The advertisement looked amazing. It looked promising. It looked phenomenal. And then you got it and you were like, oh, that's it. This is what it is. It's that big or it's this small. Or you bought a couch. You saw an ad and you went, you were like, man, it looks amazing in the store. The lighting that they had out there made it look awesome. And then it arrived at home. You put it together and you're like, this doesn't match my paint colors. Or it's the job that you have. You thought it was going to be amazing. The first month I talked to you, you were like, man, it's the best job that ever was. And the second month you're like, oh, I hate my job. My manager, at first he was good, but now he's like, you know, really bad. Oh, it's probably a friendship. People not ending up or being what you expected them to be. And some of you are disappointed that you've turned out into everything that you'd said you'd never be. Disappointment goes all around in different facets of life. And in Matthew chapter 11, we're introduced to this man that's really disappointed with what's going on in his life. We talked about this man before in verse number one. The Bible tells us when Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in their cities. Now in verse number two, the Bible says, Now when John heard in prison about the deeds of Christ, he sent word by his disciples. Let me pause there for a second. Now when John, which John are we talking about? We're talking about John the baptizer. The cousin of Jesus, the guy that was crazy, the guy that people thought was whack. That's the John that we're talking about. We talked about him in chapter number three and we're kind of revisiting his story. I don't want to go over every specifics that we did in that message back then, but here's a man who God gives to his father and mother, uh, Zach and, 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 and Elizabeth at a very old age. 
past their childbearing years, God has given them an instruction saying, I will give you a son. Zachariah finds it hard to believe. So God says, man, because of that, I'm going to make you, you, you know the whole story. So, so God gives this, this amazing couple, this son. This boy grows up to be a very tough man. He's the outdoorsy kind of guy. He loves the outdoors. He's not a couch potato. He's a guy that his, his outfit, the Bible says, was made out of camel's hair and he wore a leather belt. This was the guy that shopped at Bass Pro Shops, not H&M. This was the guy that rather watched Nat Geo Wild or the Hunting Channel than HGTV or the Food Network. This was the guy that you would never find in the vicinity of salads to go or Panera Bread. He was the one outside the Brazilian steakhouse or Outback. John the baptizer offended people. He was the one that just said it as it was. He didn't intend for his church to grow. It wasn't a seeker-sensitive message that he wanted to preach. He gave it as the, as the Lord gave it to him. And he said, you're going to get this. And this is coming straight from God. He was so offensive to the point where he even confronted the then ruler, Herod Antipas. And he confronted him for stealing his brother's wife to make her his wife. In Luke chapter 3, verses 18 to 20, the Bible talks about how Herod has him locked up in prison. And this is where John sends his disciples. When John is sitting in prison, he can't go to Jesus himself. So he sends his disciples to go and ask Jesus, hey Jesus, what's going on? The Jewish historian uh, Josephus actually talks, talks about this and he says that John is in this prison called Macharius in the Jordanian side of the Dead Sea and he was kept there a year before John was beheaded then, a year after by this man called Herod for his daughter. That's a subject for another day. But this is where verse number one is kind of the context, it's the backdrop. John is sitting in prison for something that he had committed his life to. He had said, it's my vision, it's my mission, it's my life's purpose to preach about the coming Messiah. And because of that, it has landed him in big trouble. He's on death row. And in verse number two, the Bible says, Now when John heard in prison about the deeds of Christ, he sent word by his disciples. I want you to listen to this. He's sitting in prison. When you're in prison, you have extra time on your hands. Your mind goes to dark places when you're in prison. Not just in a physical prison, but also in a mental prison. A, ment a prison of disappointment. He's not just sitting in this, in this prison with four walls or, 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 or cage, a cage or, a play, or, or locks and he can't go anywhere. But he's also sitting in a prison of disappointment, of mental breakdown, of, of anxiety, of frustration even maybe because he is in a place where he doesn't want to be. Because the last thing he thought he would do was end up in trouble for the right thing he was doing. I don't know about you, but I find myself locked up in prison sometimes. It happens to all of us. Some of us sitting over here right now, you're locked up in a prison called marriage or relationship. You're locked up in a marriage of bad financial decisions or rebellious children 
or failure in some way or the other. You're locked up in an emotional prison of a job that you hate and you, you don't want to get up and you don't want to go to. It might be a prison of physical anxiety or a, or a disease or a sickness that you have and a, or an autoimmune disease and you're like, I don't, I don't know where to go from here. I feel locked up. And, and this is happening to John. Not only is he in a physical prison, but he's also in a mental prison. John is dejected. He's disappointed. He's frustrated. How do you know that, Pastor? Because the Bible tells us why is John frustrated and disappointed? Let me tell you this. Disappointment is a sign of investment. If you're taking down notes, write this down. Disappointment is a sign of investment. You only get disappointed with something that you invested in. You don't get invested with things you're not invested in. Am I talking to somebody? The stock market's crashed. You don't have money in it, you don't care. You're like, okay, I'm going to go about doing my, my everyday business. But if you have a lot of money in the stock market, guess what? Your anxiety levels are going up. Your blood pressure levels, your sure, everything is going up. Why? Because your investment is in it. So naturally, the things that sway your investments, the things that damage your investments, the things that, that propel your investments is the good, they're all going to have either a positive or a negative impact on your life, on your mental well-being. It's going to put you in a prison or going to release you from the prison. You can't be disappointed in anything that you haven't invested in. It's frustration that builds up, that then, that, that leads to disappointment. And John was invested in this Jesus message. He was invested. It's not that he doesn't know Jesus. This guy, he's been preaching about this Jesus. He's been baptizing people. He's been telling people, hey, there's a man that's greater than I. The, the, he's coming is what he's been saying. This is the same John who leaps in his mother's womb when his mother embraced his sister Mary. Am I talking to somebody? The same guy that recognized that Jesus was on the other side. Outside of two, inside of two wombs, he leaps in joy. Even before he was born, he knew who Jesus was. Here's a man who baptizes Jesus. Here's a man who saw, Je who saw Jesus walk into the water to, to, to say, hey, baptize me. He's a, here's a man who literally saw heaven open, a dove descend, the Holy Spirit descending. Here's a man who heard the voice, the audible voice of God saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am. Come on, am I talking to somebody? Here is a man who knows that Jesus is the sent son from heaven. Even if nobody else knew it, he knew it. If you're a believer and you go through a disappointment, you're not alone. I thought I couldn't be a pastor and be disappointed with God at the same time. And then I read about John and I'm like, he was the biggest evangelist and he was the biggest preacher. And he was still disappointed because there's something about mental and physical prisons in your life that can lead you to frustration. And there's frustration that can lead you to disappointment. John is deeply invested in Jesus. The prison has disappointed him. 
There's so many of us that are so deeply invested in this Jesus cause and this message of Jesus and the message of hope and the message of joy. And you've been raised to, to be, be taught, hey, Jesus can, can do anything for you. If I am for you, who can be against you? And you read the word and you're saying, for you are more than a conqueror in Christ. Yeah, Lord, I, can, I understand all of this, Lord. And I read all of this, Lord. And I, and I want to teach my kids all of this, Lord. And we want to make this a lifestyle, God. But my situation... My prison does not allow me to fully believe that that's what you really mean. Anybody been there? Because I go through that so much. What was John, what was John expecting? Because here's, here's what can happen sometimes. You have an expectation. And when that expectation doesn't deliver, am I talking to somebody? expectation leads to frustration and then frustration leads to disappointment and John's gone through this and he's like man I preached about this and I'm talking about the savior of sorts and this savior that I preach about and that I introduced everybody to he can come and save me from this predicament that I'm in what was John expecting them expecting that led him to frustration John, Matthew chapter 3, let's revisit that passage that we learned. But verse 7, but when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think that you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees. And every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance. But after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals are not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork in his hand and he will clear out the threshing floor, gather his wheat into the barn and burning up the shaft with unquenchable fire. Now come on, every day, all day, city after city, water after water, he's jumping and preaching and preach. All he has to tell people is this message. There's a Messiah, there's a Savior. He's coming. You better watch out. He's coming. That was his expectation. And then expectation and reality collide. His expectation was Jesus was about to come and acts bad religion. And reality was that Jesus was just preaching and walking around. The expectation was Jesus was about to burn some people up. Send fire and brimstone from heaven. And the reality was Jesus was going on healing people. He was like, Lord, don't heal them. That's punishment. We thought that that was punishment for their sin. That's what the law said. They are punished for their sin. That's why those people came up to Jesus and said, who sins? Why is this person suffering? It's because that's what they believed. They believed that they were supposed to be ostracized and punished for the sins of their father. And Jesus was going around healing all these people. And, and John is confused in his mind because expectation is that Jesus is about to send fire and brimstone and lightning. And Jesus goes and picks up the hurting. And John's like, are you serious, Jesus? His expectation was that Jesus was about to come and destroy the law. And here's Jesus sitting with sinners and eating with sinners. Here's Jesus saying hi, giving high five to tax collectors and welcoming, welcoming them into the group. Here's Jesus sitting with people that were, were bad, corrupt. And John is like sitting in prison and is like, dude, what, what was I preaching about all this while? 
The expectation was that Jesus will baptize them with the Holy Ghost and fire. But here's Jesus working miracles. Disappointment for a believer is truly frustrating because you're so invested in whatever is on your mind that you've set your mind to and your, ex your expectation, the expectation of that particular thing is so high. But I want to remind somebody this morning, following Jesus can be a very frustrating experience sometimes. I'm not going to sugarcoat it this morning. Following Jesus can be very frustrating sometimes. It's frustrating to see everyone else getting promoted while I don't get the job. I get it. It's frustrating to see everyone else getting, getting married when I don't. It's frustrating to see that everybody else is having babies when you, have an, when, when you have experienced miscarriages over miscarriages. It's frustrating to see that your turn is never coming. It's frustrating to see that you will never get that dream job. And it's easy. It's easy for somebody like me to come up on this platform and say the best solution to getting over disappointment is to get over it. Get over it, Rebecca. Get over it. Stop brooding over it. But if there's Jesus to tell you something today, he'll look at you and say, I know you didn't get promoted. I, I know you didn't get that promoted. I know they didn't endorse you. I know that they didn't do what they say they would do. I know they broke up with you. I know that they divorced. I know that you went through that hard time, but Jesus would say there's something better. Unless you get over it, you will not see what is ahead of it. See, getting over it is just not a disstatement. It's an actual statement that God says, I have something on the other side. And so many of us cannot see beyond disappointment because you have allowed disappointment to be period blank instead of God looking at you and saying, there's a hill that you got to climb over. And on the other side is a new chapter that no eye has seen, no ears are. Mm. Sometimes God puts disappointment in your life to move you to something even better. In verse number three, the Bible says this. And he said to them, are you the one? John is asking, asking his disciples to ask Jesus. And his, John's disciples ask Jesus, are you the one who is to come? Or shall we look for another? You know what John's dilemma is? John's dilemma is, I was trying to obey God and spread the gospel. Where is God in the middle of this? I tithe every month. Where is God in the middle of my financial crisis? I serve a church every, every Sunday. Where's God when I need him? And his answer is in his question. Husbands, you know, wives ask you questions that they already have the answer to. When Sonia asked me, are you just going to leave your shoes right there? Yeah, she... It's not a... <laughs> It's not a, she's not expecting a yes or no. Am I talking, yeah, Billy, you're shaking your head vigorously. You know what I'm talking about. I'm telling you. He's not, John's disciples are not sitting there saying, I want an answer. For, he's basically, John is like, dude, I know the answer already, but here's the question. Now, now, Jesus will not show up and tell you what he's up to. Now, see, that's not faith. All right, Jesus, don't expect Jesus to sit there and give you an illustrated answer to your dilemmas that you're facing in life. That's not what faith is. You walk by faith, not by sight. 
Am I talking to somebody? So Jesus then points them to another direction. Why is that Jesus? Like, like who, who, John is like, man, why? Like, I, I also happen to be a cousin, right? And you're not, you're not doing anything about your situation, my situation. And my question to so many of us is this. Have you ever been in a situation where you wondered why the Lord comes through for other people but you? Because when you start thinking that, you get disappointed, you get depressed, you get frustrated. Life doesn't turn out the way you thought it would. You have the tendency to blame or question God. The same guy who made the proclamation that Jesus was the son of God is the same one questioning whether he really is. Some of the most darkest moments in my life where I've questioned God have been moments where I've looked at it and I'm like, man, I have taught kids. I was a Sunday school teacher. I was a kids teacher. I was a youth minister. And I taught these kids and I told them about the love and the faithfulness of God. And here I am in this predicament and I don't know why God and why I have difficulty believing that God will come through for me. Why? Because he had expectation frustration. His expectations were not met. Verse 4, and Jesus answered them, go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk. Sorry guys. He looks at them and says, go and, and, and be, you know, go tell them what exactly you're seeing. What are you witnessing? That's exactly what I want you to go and tell them because they need to know. Jesus breaks this out into two things. Jesus' formula for handling frustration is different. I'm going to give you two points and I'm going to close this message. Is that good? Two points. Jesus' formula for handling frustration is this. One, look for what God is doing rather than for what he is not doing. Okay? That's, that's Jesus' formula for frustration. Frustrated? Dejected? Disappointed? Remind yourself about what God has done and what he is doing. Someone say what he's doing. This is good. How does Jesus answer them? It's not a simple yes or no. When the disciples come up to him and say, hey, are you the Messiah or not? Jesus, was, Jesus didn't go, yep, I'm, I'm him, guys. That's, that's me. That's it's not what Jesus did. Two things. Two things that Jesus draws to attention. One is personal testimony. That is the subjective element to this equation. The second one is biblical prophecy, which is the objective element to this, this solution. All right? The personal testimony. He looks at it and says, go tell John what you see and what you hear. Can I remind somebody this morning that your personal testimony is the most powerful tool that you have in your Christian, Christian arsenal. This is what my life was before Christ. Come on somebody. This is what happened the day I met Christ. And this is how my life is different because of Christ. That message, when you start off with that, Come on, somebody. When you're sharing the gospel with somebody, even if you do not know how to share the gospel, if you can tell them how you met Jesus, that's a great starting point. He says, go, go, go tell them what you, what's happened. Go tell them what's happened to you. Go tell them what you've seen around this place. 
And the second one is biblical prophecy. He, he points them back to Isaiah and he says, the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are healed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have the gospel preached to them. All of this Isaiah has said and he points them back and he knows that John the Baptist knows this. And he points them back to the scripture. When you are dejected, when you are disappointed, when you are down in the dumps, remind yourself that you have a promise directly from the promise giver. And because he said it, the word of God says, I will do it. Come on, somebody. It's directly from God. And God points them back and says, go, tell them what you see and what you hear. Some of us need to go tell. Tell yourself before you tell others. Believe for yourself before you believe for others. Jesus is telling them, man, look for what, is, what God is doing rather than for what he's not doing. John, it's easy. It's easy for you to get swayed by your present situation. It's easy for you to get influenced and say that God doesn't exist in my present condition. But, but also see what God is doing on the outside. God, look what God is doing in the neighborhood. Look what God is doing in India and in France and in the different parts of the world. Like, look what God is doing. Your personal situation doesn't change who God is. Ooh, I need to talk to somebody today. I was walking in as worship was going on. And man, I was watching some of y'all while, while some of y'all were worshiping. I don't know, some of y'all were like raising your hands and you were moving around. And some of you others, I don't know if y'all are on some kind of medication. I don't know if you didn't get sleep last I don't know. Some of y'all, if you needed somebody to hold you up. Come on, y'all, we just woke up. You slept in. You didn't have to go to work. Like, so you slept. You got extra sleep. I don't know how many of y'all stayed up to like two in the morning, but whatever the case is, you were rested and up. And even though you were not feeling well, you had the strength to wake up. Uh, you took your first breath in in the morning and you're keeping on breathing. Your heart was beating in the morning. You had strength in your feet no matter how much you didn't want to get out of bed. You dragged yourself out of bed and you can walk. You're in your right mind. I'm hoping you are. If you remember that today is Sunday. You're not talking back to me. If you were able to properly go to bathroom this morning. Come, am I? You ought to praise the Lord. You ought to look at everything God is doing in your life and saying, God, I thank you for this and this and this and this that I take for granted every single day. My situation that I am going through right now, it doesn't matter if it's years or months or days, it doesn't change the fact that you still woke up, you still rose up, you still are on the throne and you make sure that my heart is still beating day in and day out. If you wake up in the morning, remember that he's not done with you. Hmm. I think we need more coffee out in the lobbies. People are not awake today. Help me preach today. You ought to praise God. See, we lose sight of the things that he is doing. The situation that you are in doesn't define who God is. Your situation is not a commentary on who God is. It's not a description as to who God is. Your situation isn't a compass to who God is. 
God doesn't change. He's the same unchanging Jesus yesterday, today, and forevermore. That is Jesus. It doesn't change that he is faithful. It doesn't change that he is just. It doesn't change that he is true. It doesn't change that he is loving or merciful in all his ways. He is still God. Can I hear an amen? He is still God, church. Whether in your situation it feels like it or not, man, I shout and I worship even when I'm broke and when I'm rich. Come on. Even when I have good health and even when my head is hurting. Come on, somebody. Even when my kids listen to me or they don't listen to me. Even when my marriage is great or it's not great. Even when my job is, is on its brink of, of, of just tearing me apart. If I'm losing my job or gaining a job, I will still praise the Lord because thank you thank you come on somebody needs to praise God this morning because it's not me it's not because of what I've done it's not because of my merit it's not because of my credits it's not because of my plaudits it's not because of the degrees on my wall I woke up this morning and all credit goes to God but maybe it's also a control thing Miss Beverly it's also a control thing because John is not in control. He's in prison. When you're not in control, you think God is not in control. I'm going to say that again. When you're not in control, you think God is not in control. Because all you know is that you have equated you being in control with God being in control. I, I hate to break your bubble. I hate to break your expectation bubble that is in your head. But he was in control way before you learned how to drive, baby. Way before you thought that you were mature. Way before you thought that you had a head over your shoulders. Way before you got that job. Way before you wore those big boy pants. My Jesus said, I have been in the driver's seat. It's just a choice you make every single day whether you take the seat or not. It's like my little baby girl. Nora loves to jump in the seat with me. Now take her around the neighborhood. Don't get on me, okay? Don't at me right now. Where's the seatbelt? She wants to be in her car seat, boo. I see the joy in her face when she wants to sit in that front. And I take her real slow, okay? Don't, don't worry, like three miles an hour. We're going super slow. And I have my hand on the wheels, but she thinks... With a little itsy bitsy hand, she goes. Zzz, zzz, zzz. She's excited. <laughs> but what she doesn't know is that there's daddy's hand. Stop deceiving yourself. Stop telling yourself that unless you have to put your hand on the steering wheel, it's not going to be okay. Come on, when you're not in control, there's a sense of losing power. And sometimes, Dr. Stanley, he has to take you to that point where he relinquishes your power and relinquishes your strength and strips you of your self-reliance for him to say, let me reveal to you who I am. Look around. Look at the lilies in the field. Look at the butterflies. Look at the sun that goes up look at the moon look at the rain that falls down I am still God and I am still on the throne can somebody say amen thank you Jesus oh I'm preaching this morning let's teach Ashish come on you thought God was driving but in reality 
You've been in the driver's seat all along. This is what's making the situation really frustrating because you have no control. Things aren't going the way that you thought it would go or your expectation because you can't understand it and it's super frustrating. Don't you do this every day? Like we harp on our kids or employees or our spouses for the things that they're not doing rather than the many things that they are doing. How many of us wake up in the morning and say, Lord, just thank you for making these wheels turn. Sonia, the, the way I start my prayers in the morning when, I, when we're praying is, Lord, I thank you for the breath in my nostrils. I thank you for letting me walk. I let, thank you, Lord, for, for, for making me talk. I thank you, Lord, for functioning organs. And, and thank you for a heart that's beating and lungs that's able to take breath in and breathe. Come on, somebody. I... Thank you, Jesus. What is God doing that we might miss because we're too focused on the things that he's not doing? I'm going to ask you that one more time. What is God doing that we might miss? Because we're so focused on the things that he's not doing. There are miracles that are happening every single day in your life, but your eyes are fixated on that thing that you want. And hence your appreciation and your awe for the miracles happening every single day in your life is diminished. And you make God less because that's not what your expectation is. Failed expectation is the, the heart of every disappointment, church. What is Jesus' way of handling frustration? One, look at what God is doing rather than what he is not doing. The second one is this, is move closer. Move closer to Jesus. In your disappointment, when you're frustrated at Jesus, move closer to him. What are you talking about? When you're mad at your wife, you don't move closer to her. You're scared she might throw something at you. Not, not my wife. My wife doesn't throw. You're, 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 you're scared that something's going to come out that you don't want. You're, you're like, I don't know, 10 feet apart. No, Jesus says, man, when, when you're hurting, draw closer to me. That's just principles in the Bible. Verse 6. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Someone say, blessed is the one who is not offended by me. The NIV says this, blessed is the one who doesn't fall away. The Greek word used over there is this word skandalizo. The same word was used when the disciples abandoned Jesus and fled when he was arrested. Remember that moment? Same word, skandalizo. They skandalizoed. They abandoned, they fell out, they, they, had a fall. They, they, they got scared, they just abandoned ship. They threw the towel in. And Jesus is saying, he's flipping it and saying, instead of falling away, lean into the Lord. Do not fall away. Do not make your disappointments fall away from God. Why? Because Jesus knows that that is human nature. If someone offends you, you don't get closer to them. Am I talking to somebody? Somebody hurts your feelings, you're not going to be like, oh, I'm still your BFF. Come on, let's just be, be no, no, no. You're going to either address it, you're going to confront it, or you're just going to shut the door and walk away from it. You retreat, you run away. If they cause you pain, you don't walk up to them and say, cause me more pain. Some people do that. I got to pray for you. I quit going back to the people that cause you pain. 
going, quit. Keep going, Ashish, keep going. Stay on topic. And we end up doing the same to God. When we get disappointed, we, turn to run, we tend to run away. We tend to scan the lead, so we tend to fall away. See, people tragically fall away from God when God disappoints them. When God doesn't meet your expectations, you threaten to walk away. Like, like God's not threatened, church. Can I just break this news to you? God's not, like, to turn toward God in your disappointment. Like, stop. Like, Christians need to learn to stop being fake. Look at somebody next to you and say, stop being fake. We talk about this so much. How are you doing? How are you doing? Out of the lobby. How are you doing? I am blessed. I am awesome. I am God. The Bible says Jesus loves the brokenhearted. I am happy for you. Everything is going great. I'm happy for you. But sometimes you just got to be raw. You got to be authentic. You got to be like, man, I, I don't have it together. As a pastor, I tend to gravitate and I tend to grow closer to people that just are broken in their spirit because that's what Jesus did. Jesus said, I love the brokenhearted. He was drawn to that. He was, he was, see, and, and for us, we feel like our pain and our sorrow and our disappointments with God takes us away from God or, or wants us to go away. You don't go to church. Unmet expectations with God or other people make us run away from our problems. We become bitter. We become rebellious. Write this down. Never let rebellion be the result of your frustrated expectation. Never let rebellion be the result of your frustrated expectation. What do we do when, we, when we're met with frustration and disappointment? We stop following the Lord. Stop reading the Word. Stop praying. We stop listening to people around us. We stop listening to parents. We stop listening to, to authority figures. We stop listening to pastors. We don't pick up phone, phone calls from anybody. We just go into abandonment mode. Start isolating yourself. Stop coming to church. Your rebellion isn't going to change your situation. A lot of people think that if I rebel, if I walk away, if I scan the lead so from God in this moment, maybe God will turn to me. You're turning away from God at that moment. God is drawn to the broken. God is drawn to darkness. Am I talking to he, he spoke into darkness. That is the moments and those atmospheres that God is drawn to. Let your brokenness be open to the Lord so he may be drawn to you. Your lack is what God can fill. Romans 8. I want to close with this. The Bible says this. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed. Listen to this, this word about expectation. Verse 19. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. Because what? The next verse. For creation was subjected to frustration. Not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Church, I want to encourage somebody today. Don't let your present pain alter your future purpose. Worship team, you guys can get ready to come up. Expectation means to live life with anticipation. 
stop expecting things from people that can't fulfill them. When I call people and they don't pick up, I know to stop calling after some time. When I text and people don't text back, I know to stop texting after some time. Why? Because that's what rejection can do. That's what expectation, for some people, they have these expectations that are just, just, just bundled up and they're just, you know, stacked up and you have this huge expectation from people and because you expect so much from people, you, you just keep getting disappointed over and over and over and over again. Jesus says, man, focus on things that are happening. Like what's happening to you has to happen to you, John the Baptist. That's what's going to happen to me is going to happen to me in three years, John the Baptist. No one's going to evade that. The presence of God and the power of God and the character of God doesn't change what's going on in your circumstance and in your situation. But God is doing things around the globe and around me and in my neighborhoods and in my neighbor and in people that I know. And God is up to doing what his will is. And nothing changes that. Oof. I want to encourage somebody today. Would you stand up to your feet with me, church? For some of us, it's... You're just disappointed in the dreams that you've had. The visions, the dreams, the things that you've been planning, the things that you've been hoping for, the things that, you know, you, you've been hopeful about. There's nothing worse when believers encounter dreams, prophecies, promises that have been given to you that were not fulfilled. Anybody been there? Because I've been there. Like, Lord, you promised me this. When is it going to happen? You said this will happen. When is it going to happen? For some of you all, God revealed it to you in your personal time of prayer. For some of you others, God revealed it to you in different other ways. But when is it going to happen? For some of us, we've taken our dreams and we've buried them because you've not seen anything come out of it. See, can I talk to you real quick? This is the difference between, there's a big difference between burying and planting. Huge difference. A few weeks ago, I did... I did some planting in my garden for some, a, a little bit of a fall harvest. And I, and I went around planting in different places and I didn't mark the places that I planted. And on the top of my head, I just remembered the place I planted and I started watering the seeds where I remembered I planted them. A week later, I saw these seeds sprout. And I saw leaves come out of these seeds that I had planted under the ground. And then there were other spots in the garden that I knew had planted. And then one week later, I'm like, oh, that's exactly where I planted them. But nothing came out because I forgot about them. And because I forgot about them, I didn't water them. See, the difference, Divya, was that some of them I planted and I did something about the planting. So the, and the others I buried. That's the difference about planting and, and, and burying. There, there were things that I buried and I, I bury with no hope of it coming back up. Am I talking to somebody? Those are the things that you bury and so many of you have buried dreams. 
But if God gave it to you, if God, I want to remind somebody, and here's what I did. A week later, I went gently because these seeds were like really expensive. So I said, man, I got to salvage these. Let me see what's going to happen. So I went back. It was just like an inch into the ground. I went back, I dug them out, and the seeds were right there. They were right there, and I was like, thank you, Jesus. Some of you are like, it's just seeds. I went back to it. I'm brown, I'm thrifty. <laughs> I don't come and buy new seeds. I went back to it. I dug them out. And I said, I'm going to replant these. So I, I planted them back in, and I watered them this time watered them this time yesterday that which I watered started sprouting it was a week late am I talking to somebody it was a week late it's not the same height it's not going to produce fruit as soon as the other one's going to but it's never too late to go back to the things that you buried the promises that you buried because here's the things that, that, this is what happens to the things that is God-given. The things that, that, that God gives, no matter how much you try to bury it. Come on, am I talking to somebody? You can put it in a tomb, but if God gave that promise, three days later, it will rise up. See, that's the power of God-given promises. When God gives you something, you better take it and run with it. And there's so many of y'all that have given up on dreams, given up on promises, given up on things, and you've buried it, and you're like, there's nothing good that's going to come out of this. I want to promise you this morning that my God is a promise keeper. If He hasn't given up on you, you dare not give up on Him today. My God loves you. He cares for you. I want, I want, you, to, I want you to respond this morning. Every eye closed, everybody in this building... I'm going to pray and close. I'm going, to, I'm going to dismiss you. I'm going to pray a prayer of blessing over you. But our prayer team is going to be available to pray for you. I'm going to ask Eric and Rebecca to join us in prayer up here. Please, I'm going to be up here for prayer. If there's anybody that needs prayers today, something that you're going through, something that you're personally wrestling with, broken promises, shattered dreams, expectations that were unmet, your frustration that is built up because of expectations that you had and those expectations did not pan out the way you did, you wanted to, and that's led to disappointment. God is reminding somebody when expectation meets disappointment, draw closer to Jesus. Don't scandalize. Go closer to Jesus.